and welcome to Portraits of Clongos, a podcast series that takes you on a journey into the lives of former pupils of Clongos Wood College. My name is Rossa McDermott, and in this podcast series, we will speak with alumni from Clongos to hear their first-hand accounts of the transformative impact this school has had on their lives. Today on Portraits of Clongos, we have a slight twist. My name is Russell McDermott, and I've been set aside here with my interviewer, Rory Gray, to answer the four questions. Yes, indeed, Russell. <laughs> it's about time this actually happened. <laughs> this is and very unfair. And it's my privilege to have you on the opposite side of no. the microphone today. Mm. And it's all the same content. It's the same query. And uh, I think your life is a little special. And I'd like to learn a little no. bit about it and the, the influence that Clongo's had on it. Tell us a little bit. About your time there, what you remember about things that stand out in your memory. Oh, thank you, Rory, for twisting tables on me. Yeah, there's a lot of memories, I suppose. And um, in more recent times, I've done bits and pieces for the foundation. I found myself since January going down to Clongos maybe a couple of times a month. And so sometimes the the present and the past get blended together. But um, to me, it was a very influential place simply because I'd been to about five or six schools before I went there. And uh, never I've been to Ireland just on holidays, uh, but uh, going to school there was very different. And although I would have had the same anxieties everybody else seems to have had about the first few months, I have what my family would call a Disneyland version. I look back and it's all kind of good memories, good people, good friends, good times, good weather. As you get older, it can get more sure. beautiful. But uh, sure. Most of it's good. And you had spent time in other boarding schools before, before no, coming no. to Clongos? No, no. My father uh, worked abroad for, um, it's now Glaxo in those days, the Welcome Foundation. So he went to Brazil in 1958. I was born in late November 1959, spent six years in Brazil, then went to England, then was in Nigeria in 1966-67, back to England or the other way around. And then went to Spain, Madrid. And in Madrid, my first year, few years in Madrid, I was in three different schools, uh, simply wow. because I was I started secondary before I went to Ireland in 70, In fact, I was a year away from doing my O levels, about at fourteen years of age. I was that young, so I was uh, I was on the later. Uh, Older people in, in rudiments, even though I wasn't over age. So, Clongos so, so gave me a stability because I was there for six years. So, possibly older than Tony O'Byrne, and yet he got the tag. <laughs> no, I was younger than Tony O'Byrne, <laughs> but I was I was on the verge. I couldn't play under, I could play under age stuff, but I wasn't uh, that old. Yeah, but uh, Tony's July. Tony's July. Okay. Yeah, I'm November. <laughs> but you got past your first year in Clongos, obviously, had a lot of transition. Prior to that, yeah. Look, I, I arrived. I arrived in Clongos. I spoke awfully, awfully. I learned history the English way. I talked about theatres and glass. And uh, Maggie Doyle taught me about this guy called Cromwell. Obviously, I learned the English version and how he broke down royalty. <laughs> but when you learn about Dracula, <laughs> Oliver Cromwell was a slightly different kind of beast in Ireland, literally. And uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of adaptation uh, there. And I was very, but. I suppose what saved me, being the oldest in the family, you're always the first person to do anything in your family. So that's the one thing that kept me going, I suppose. Much I disliked it in the beginning, I was nervous. I was used to always have, obviously, I haven't do these things. And what, what were the turning points? Or you didn't like it a lot in the beginning or through it. What were the turning points you think, ah, oh, there's the first of my well, happy my, memories? In my first weekend, I twisted my ankle. I shall name him, Con Clifford with his big hognail boots, 
twisted my ankles. I was in the infirmary for two days recovering. So that was the first week in Clongos. So I was there, but I wasn't there. So I missed out some of the, the activities. So when I came back out of two days recovering my, from my little ankle, I felt detached. So it took me a while to, to integrate. But my blessing was my cube was beside uh, Mr. Popularity himself, Tigger O'Byrne. So what I did was hang on his coattails and everybody seemed to like him and love him. And I followed him around and uh, gave good me confidence. Good, good strategy. I'll tag on to the guy who's popular. Yeah. Maybe it'll rub off yeah, me. Exactly. But it was quite clear to me as somebody who's in class with you that by the time you got to syntax, O-levels and poetry, you were having a ball. Yeah, I mean, I was bullied by not our class, but a few. I used to dress, my mother, she's still around, dressed me really prim and proper when I went there. And I had some unusual clothes. who was living in Spain. And there's a few characters in uh, ahead of us in uh, fourth year and third year who weren't the nicest, who when uh, I used to walk down the galleries used to pick on me. So I had a few uh, dull moments. I used to cry at the drop of a hat in first year, second year. <laughs> and then by syntax, I, I did okay in the intermediate search. I was good academically. I applied myself. The structure suited me. The timekeeping suited me. I'd found athletics. Uh, I was running for the school in the triangles, even I think as earlier syntax. Uh, Vinnie Murray, God rest him, was very good to me. He used to take me to a certain events when I was... Uh, doing other stuff, I forget what it was, in the Trianglers. And O-Levels was definitely the conversion year. I mean, O-Levels was such a great year, the great summer of 76, yeah. different uh, yeah. uh, regime. The exams were more compulsory, but I loved doing them. I did very well in the, the O-Levels, in fact, but there's no pressure. Yeah. And O-Levels, which is now transition year, I gained a bit of confidence. Right, so I started growing. And I, if I remember correctly, you and I... And Margaret Doyle did orienteering together. Yes, absolutely. And you, sorry, and you were very good at orienteering. It was the only thing I was good at. You were very good. I used to think, and I wasn't bad, but geez, and we used to go great, great place in Wicklow. Yeah. Uh, absolutely tremendous sport. Even around Clongos, the, the the ramparts and different places. And one time you and I were in a team together. That's right. And you were brilliant at reading maps. Guns <laughs> to God. We, I remember coming down the back gate uh, behind what was the Henry's house in some field and I couldn't I wasn't sure where I was going and we were together and you had the whole thing that's where we picked it and you, we got home and won uh, I don't know how that actually came <laughs> upon me. I remember as a kid I, we drove all over Europe my father mm. was a manic holidayer and yeah. we drove all over Europe and of course there was no GPS in those days yeah. we were reading maps so I think I picked up a bit of yeah no you, I have to remember you were the competition in Orange you dominated that sport oh, I don't, dom <laughs> dominated yeah. all, all three oh, of us were going <laughs> <laughs> that was part of the attraction, wasn't it? That, that we would be taken in a bus to went out of the country, Wicklow yeah, and there'd only be five or six. Yeah, of us. yeah. It was a prize. We get sandwiches out. made for us and food, and, <laughs> and Margaret was great, and she was really enthusiastic. Yeah, I love that. It's funny, I'd forgotten about that. So we both moved through the year. You moved through the years, and and obviously left in '78, uh, like myself. And then you developed your career. And you're yeah. at the stage where you've had a lot of change in your career, particularly challenging over the past two, three years. What are the things that you feel you picked up in Congress that have helped you most? Not immediately you left, but that would be useful, but maybe in the latter years, the more recent years. Well, I think the ability to dig deep when things are going against you. Um, I think uh, the Jesuitical thing, uh, not to give up. There's a phrase, uh, I tell you what affected me, uh, affected me is probably too strong, but the one phrase that stuck out to me because it used to be on a poster in the corridor was Rudyard Kipling's If. 
And there's a line in there which uh, you keep your calm when everybody's losing their head. That stuck with me from a very young age is that as bad as things get, the one thing you have to remain is calm and try and distill and think and figure it out. And the Jesuits empowered you to do that. And the ability to get on with other people or see things through and have the patience are probably the underlying things I've been good at. In other parts of my career, uh, you wouldn't put it in a book, I'll tell you that. But uh, <laughs> the patience, the endurance, the ability. And obviously, I ran a lot with or without Tigger O'Burn, but I used to do the Rath Coffee Run sometimes three times a day in the summer. And you learned that uh, even through the pain, you had to keep going, keep going. In the end, things kind of came, would come right. And I suppose that's the underlying thing. And when you refer to uh, more recent times in terms of recovering from stroke, the one thing is uh, it's day by day, minute by minute. You take one step at a time. They all join up in the end. Don't try and get to the end too soon, but just have the patience to yeah, persevere. Yeah, absolutely. And in a couple of the guys that I've spoken to with reference to the podcast that you're now doing so successfully, <laughs> resilience is a word that many people bring up, that, that we learn to be, to stick with it. Correct. And that is something that maybe runs as a theme across many people and toughing it out. Yeah, and having been in business, there's a downside to that. Sometimes you're resilient and keep things going when the clear signs are you should let go. Yeah. So there's, there's a double-edged sword there. We must send a note back to Clongos too <laughs> to work on decision-making. Yeah, the 30-day <laughs> refund is over. <laughs> you talked a little bit about um, your first week there. You injured your foot compliments <laughs> at Con Clifford, so <laughs> I ended up in the infirmary. Was there something else in that first week or is that your endearing? No, it's my father dropped me back. We came back from Spain and he was there for a few days. He was around the first weekend. The only time I'd been to Prosperous, we went for lunch in Prosperous at that time. Because my father came down, took me out for a few hours just to see how I was and um, came back. And no, I mean, that, that was a week where it was disjointed. The loneliness thing was there. But I suppose I always knew, for me, the loneliness was... <laughs> My family in Madrid, so I knew by definition it was going to be lonely. I didn't expect to see them on a regular basis. My mother came back for Halloween, and that was the first break we had after eight or nine weeks. Uh, visits weren't allowed. My aunt and uncle, God rest them, used to come down and see me. And then when we had weekends off, my mother used to have us arrange with different relatives for those midterm breaks. Yeah. And so I just got used to it. That was the way it was, and we didn't expect to go back to Spain except for Christmas or maybe Easter or the summer. A lonely old first year. Yeah, and I was the first to go. I mean, there's no, my father picked it out of a book. He he went to Sing Street. He had our education. Because he's a foreign service employee, he was entitled to send us all back to get a schooling where he, he, he was from, in essence, as part of uh, his package. And my father had this thing about was it, give me a boy, I'll give you back the man, uh -huh. and that stuff. And obviously James Joyce was mixed in there somewhere, and that's how we end up in Clongos. So the first week, the first year is one thing. We enjoyed a particularly successful <laughs> final year, because things happened in that final year that hadn't happened in Clongos before. What a happy memory. Grand National, you mean. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happy memory do you take away from your last year? What makes you think it finished off brilliantly? Or was there... Something negative. Well, uh, there's a few things, I suppose. I mean, the, the, look, I love sport. Sport is very important to me, but I, it's to me, it's part of uh, a context of uh, your balanced living. I mean, what's not all, not all about rugby because I ran, I played soccer was my game. I knew I wasn't going to make the, the the team, but that was an important psychological thing in terms of. I remember going chasing rugby balls for Greg every time he was practicing kicks. 
And we used to waffle on about, imagine if, imagine if. And I'd say, imagine if. And, and Ollie Campbell come down. And imagine if eventually became. What that year taught me was that anything is possible. Everything is possible. One, you have to believe. The hard work is important. And the one thing I always remember, winning the cup was great, but in typical McShield style, okay, it's over now. Now it's the exams. Yeah, you've got your leaving. And then we went off. And at the time, we got pretty outstanding results in our year. And we had every excuse in the book. On average, you know, every, we had every excuse because of rugby we didn't have to study. Yeah. And it just gave you confidence. Yeah. And, uh, and did you come out of it academically well? Oh, yeah. I, was, I, was I did. I well, I mean, that. look, I had a, my problem before I went to Clongos is I was just, I wasn't lazy, but I was happy to be, be distracted and do my, I always could think I'd do my homework on Monday morning before I went in to school, the English school in Madrid, and you couldn't do a weekend's homework in two hours or even half an hour. But what Clongos did is you sat down for study when the bell went six to eight, nine fifteen to ten, and the weekends you had time. There's no excuse, so you you end up becoming organised and getting the work done. Um, I'm so glad. It was academic? No, I was diligent. <laughs> <laughs> I was neither. <laughs> <laughs> and when you think back at the time, that the music question comes up a lot because. It was the way we occupied ourselves uh, in free time often. What sticks in your head? Oh, this is too long. I see, I see, I, I actually see the world in um, two or three dimensions. I associate visuals and music. So for me, it started with Neil Young and Samba Bati Santana, Mike Oldfield, Tubular Bells, 10CC, you know, Mandy, I'm Fly Me was a great song. The rumours, obviously, we went to Stratford uh, that year with Johnny Doobie to see William Shakespeare. You went, to you? That's where I live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, rumours is big uh, on the bus. And um, obviously, uh, Supertramp, as reluctant as I am to, ma- to mention it, because Peter Howard could write into me, uh, Supertramp was the theme tune to those last few years, even the quietest moments I wish I had, you know, so those things come back to you and uh, yeah there's, there's a lot I mean my whole any song I sing takes me back so I've seen a lot yeah I understand I play I still, I still play an awful lot of those tracks today. yeah 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 I mean there's certain things that trigger certain memories and um, they will be the, the multitude of them <laughs> did you spend the weekend at John Rocks after the leaving I did and uh, do you have that enduring memory of Fred Brown and Greg Dilger singing Boogie Nights as they were walking down the road Having yes, had a couple yes, of and, drinks um, in Port Umna. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I've been reminded of that detail. Some of that uh, obliterated. I remember us going over the boat to... Um, Johnny's Pub in Ireland. Johnny's Pub in Tully Glass. Where is it? Tully Glass, wasn't it? Terry Glass. Terry Glass. Terry Glass. Terry Glass. Across and, and, and Wally, you and me, and Johnny, and how Johnny was able to find the, the Toblerone house he had in the dark, I don't know, because I couldn't see anything in the dark. We had two or three pints of smithies. We felt we were 25. Yeah. But that was a great night. And yeah. uh, there's a few songs, Steely Dan. Uh, the song that stands out for that day in Johnny's is one that drives me that place every time. is A Horse to Name by America. Wow. Not a terribly happy song. No, but the sound of it, the, the, the guitar strumming, yeah. it stands out. That was a huge song at that time. And I played incessantly that night. <laughs> I just recall booking it. Listen, Rasa, it's been lovely to put you on the other side <laughs> of reckon? the microphone today. <laughs> it has. Um, thank you so much for taking this opportunity with me. Thanks, Rory. Thank you for taking the time to do it. Mm-hmm.